0: Episode 11, Who Embodies Power? We, as a human race, are still more accustomed, no matter which country we live in, to perceiving our leaders as looking a certain way or being a certain height or having a certain um, air or, or demeanor about them. And this varies to some degree from country to country or from region to region, But our cultures have trained us to want our leaders to look a certain way. Now, I have had a very interesting and busy week so far of spending evenings in different rooms filled with different and new faces of power. Keep listening. Welcome to Peace Matters, a show that uncovers peace in our communities, our countries, and deep within our souls. I'm your host, Maya Mathias, founder of Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. Join me as I share three things in the show. One, stories or trends that impact our capacity for peace in the world. Two, insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. And three, updates on the peace building work I do plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. Be sure to head over to inventivelinks.com to sign up for our Peace Matters newsletter, where I share bonus resources to build more peace in your world. And now, on with the show. Part 1 as the world turns, stories or trends that impact our capacity for peace in the world. So, as you may have known, if you watched my Fridays for Peace live stream last week and listened to both of my podcast episodes last week, I was out of town and so did not stay on top of the news headlines as much as I normally do. But coming back this week, I'm still a little behind the eight ball in terms of news in the headlines because I'm having like back to back events. Every single night I am going to be out attending a different event, meeting different people and getting to learn more about different aspects of what's changing in our world. And right now I'm recording this uh, late on Tuesday night. And I'm only halfway through this experience. So for now, I'm going to share the two events that I have already attended, and then I'll share more about the remaining events on my Fridays for Peace live stream. So be sure to check that out. Um, I'll tell you where and how in a second. Now, last night, I attended this event. Well, let me circle back to the theme for this episode, who embodies power? Now, contrary to popular belief, we may sometimes, especially if we're living in the West, we may think that being biased or even being racist kind of goes one way, where it's um, the dominant race looking at the minority race and treating them in a racist or biased way. Now, I have to say that we all carry biases within us. and It's not inherently an evil thing to do unless we take it, I believe, to a violent extreme. But it really is a product of the way we were raised, the culture we were born into, what we were taught to believe in terms of our inferiority or our superiority in our society. I don't think it's a good thing. I think race as a social construct is very harmful to all of us, whether we are in a superior or inferior position. But it exists and it happens at such a subconscious and subliminal level that unless you're really aware of that in your own life and aware of how you've been conditioned to treat someone else who looks different to you. Um, It can be hard to detect, hard to be aware of, and therefore hard to change. I'll give you a really simple example for myself. Last night, I attended this event by um, this yogi, this lady who has been studying the philosophy of yoga for many, many decades now, and she has built a congregation around her work. And... What I realized, even after I was listening to her and she is so filled with wisdom and I I need to read up on her story a little more, but there was this little niggling part of me that couldn't quite understand why I wasn't fully engaged initially when I was listening to her. And then it hit me. I was raised, born and raised in Asia, where the person who would be talking about these things, I mean, she was talking about Vedic wisdom and the philosophy of yoga, even after spending all these years in the West, there's still a part of me that's more comfortable hearing that message from someone who looks more Asian, someone who is of an Indian heritage and Asian Indian heritage. And it was only when I got to the end of her presentation that I realized, oh, gosh, there's still a part of me that was holding on to that. And once I was aware of that, I could address it internally and say, oh, wait a minute. It's not about who, it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. Similarly, tonight, I was blown away by attending this event. Put on by the New York Times around um, a piece and a photo essay, photojournalistic essay that they did some months ago to photograph the, all the women in the Senate and the House of Representatives now in America. And when they came to this idea initially, they didn't know how viral it would become, and it did take off. The title of the article of the essay is Redefining Representation. And I was lucky to have spotted it in time that the photo editor and one of the photographers was going to be in town, just down the street from where I live, talking about the thinking and the planning and the execution of this photo essay. So what I love about their approach is again, thinking about this idea of who embodies power. We are so tuned in and so conditioned by visual imagery and the visual setting that we place our leaders in, in our respective cultures. And what these two women who put this, who were on stage sharing their project with us, they told us that they were inspired by the traditional settings that congressional and presidential American leaders were often photographed in. It would be this very um, stark and yet well-lit setting where the portraiture would be quite formal and you know, typically it would be an older white man standing in front of the camera or being painted in an oil canvas format back in the day. And so what they wanted to do was to subvert that and use the same setting for these women so that it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for us as consumers of the imagery to see that, oh, these are the same settings that we're used to seeing mostly men in, but now we're having women in those same settings. And so it it It's a little easier for for us to wrap our heads around it and at the same time be startled and be stunned in a good way to see, oh, gosh, I need to rethink this, don't I? Seeing, I don't always have to see a man in this setting. Even a woman can embody power and can be in a position of power and look the same way a man does when they sit in the halls. Of Congress. So there are going to be a few more events I'm attending later this week where the people that I'm listening to are embodying power in an unconventional way. And I can't wait to share more with you on both my Fridays for Peace live stream and on the next issue of my podcast this week. So be sure to check those out. Two, OM is where the heart is, insights and tools to help you cultivate more inner peace. So since we're talking about who embodies power, oh, before I forget, if you want to check out my Fridays for Peace live stream, be sure to go to inventivelinks.com events, and you can watch it live or catch the replay by looking for the episode uh, dated March 29th, 2019. Okay, back to Aum is where the heart is. Now, we are used to seeing certain people, people who look a certain way, embodying positions of power or being in positions of power. And for generations, we use that as a source of our identity. So if we look like a person who's in power, we can then place ourselves and imagine ourselves in those similar seats of power. And at a broader level, having these identities in society are really helpful because they help us create a degree of belonging because we can associate ourselves with a particular identity. Um, Say a sports person, if they look like us, we can envision ourselves doing what they do or a newscaster or whatever the case might be. The thing is, if we hew a little too much to our to those identities it can ultimately be weaponized and used and we can use it against each other i mean this has been abundant made abundantly clear in recent politics and in hate crimes that are happening around the world if you don't look like me or i can't identify with you it gives me permission and an excuse to hate you and to be violent towards you and potentially harm or kill you. So how do I navigate that difference? How do I look at difference in my life? I have been hyper vigilant wherever possible in noticing and noting whenever I am treating someone differently than I would want to be treated. So again, going back to that lady, that Caucasian lady, talking about Vedic wisdom, I had to catch myself in the moment and say, nope, that's not a healthy way to look at her she has spent decades on studying these wisdom ancient wisdom practices so she is every much every bit of an expert as much as the faces that i've been used to hearing those teachings from so over time it's always a work in progress none of us are perfect in this regard my approach has typically been to focus more on the task at hand, focus more, as I said, on the message than on the messenger. Because too much of a focus on the messenger can get us stuck in those identities and get us stuck in placing too much emphasis on the identity versus the capacity of the person to do the work that's required. So... I look at the task at hand, and I see who, has, who in the room before me has the best ideas to solve that task and to address that task. And I seek to be as race, color, background, blind as possible in that process. I listen very closely to the ideas, and then I winnow people down based on the strength of those ideas. winnow that down accordingly, give them the time and the space to test things out, to experiment, to execute on those ideas. And over time, we eventually reach the best possible solution from the entire team. And it's why I seek to remain open to trying new things and testing new people out every single time. Because nine times out of 10, I have been delightfully surprised at the end result and nine times out of 10, it has made me or the end product better for it. Giving people the benefit of the doubt more often than not, is going to work out and especially in a work setting, it helps people see the value and the potential in themselves in being a valued contributor to the team. And when you can see them, in that way and look past the identities that we may place them in or we may pigeonhole them in or that they have been pigeonholed into by society, if we can look past that and help them transcend that as they contribute at work or in your community, whatever that construct, that social construct that you work within is, the more we can do that, the better we all are for it. Part three, news and views. Updates on our peace-building work, plus answers to your questions about creating a more peaceful existence for yourself and others. I have just one short announcement to make in this segment this week, and that is to say that a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about my new idea for an umbrella campaign that encapsulates all of the work that I do in various arenas, whether it be in human resources in the workplace or in society or civics or politics and the like. I realized over time that Everything can fall nicely and neatly under the idea of all of us taking more steps for humanity. And so I have the hashtag now that I'd like to use, and I'd love for you to get involved with it, that I'm calling 30 Steps for Humanity, spelled out in full, or for short, hashtag F H. The first edition of this campaign is going to start very soon, and I'm calling it the Workplace Edition, because if you've listened to the podcast and my live stream and read my newsletter from last week, you'll know that I am still buzzing from attending a human resources conference all last week. And... There's so much that I can bring from that conference to you, not just from this year's, but from all the previous years that I've been blessed to attend it. I'm also going to add other elements to it, and I would dearly love to add your stories about how you are experiencing or creating a better workplace in your world. So if you want to be a part of this campaign, or at the very least, um, consume the information that I share in it, you'll need to be part of my newsletter list. And if you're not already on the list, you need to go to inventivelinks.com and fill up the form on the homepage. If you're already on the list, just sit tight and some information about the campaign will be coming your way really, really soon. Okay, I'm going to leave it there for now. Thanks so much for listening. It's been a wonderful couple of days so far, and I can't wait to share more with you on later editions and later broadcasts this week. Remember, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on today's topic, be sure to check out my Fridays for Peace live stream, dated March 29th, 2019. And you can find that at inventivelinks.com slash events. Alrighty. It's been great spending this time with you. I will talk to you again later this week. Till then, take care. You've been listening to Peace Matters with me, Maya Mathias. This podcast is proudly powered by Inventive Links, a leadership development company that cultivates enlightened executives, creative citizens, and wise writers for a more peaceful planet. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it by going to inventivelinks.com support. Want to take your podcast experience to the next level? Sign up for my next online workshop and start building a stronger path to peace inside and out. Go to inventivelinks.com events for more information. Sign up for a workshop, then show up with your best questions on the stories and insights we feature, and with a sincere desire to lead a more peaceful existence. Till next time, let's make peace matter more each day. Bye for now.